Hey, welcome to the Hemi Singh podcast. I'm pleased to introduce today Suresh Ramaswamy. Suresh is a transformational teacher and visionary entrepreneur passionate about igniting and catalyzing the transformation of humanity. He's the award-winning author of Just Be, Transform Your Life and Live as Infinity, available on Amazon.com. Uh, his website is SureshRamaswamy.org, and his new uh, Hemisync album is called Tasting Infinity. With his background as an electrical engineer and technology executive, Suresh brings an inspired yet pragmatic approach to elevating consciousness on our planet. Held in high regard by people around the world, Suresh's light-filled presence and guidance awakens them to their innermost essence, which is what I think you'll find in this conversation as well. If you find it helpful, please share it up and be sure to follow us on social media. Usually we're either at Hemisync or at Hemisync Life. And be sure to check out our Patreon page if you want to support this podcast and get some great discounts on Hemisync products and services in the bargain. Enjoy. So, Suresh, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, we've been kind of working on this project for quite some time. I was kind of going back and uh, checking our correspondence. And I think the first time I heard from you was when you were actually emailing me kind of out of the blue in 2019, uh, telling me that our app wasn't working well. Uh, you, you were not the first to do that. Um, but um, I didn't know you at the time. And then you were introduced to me through Suzanne um, Giesman, um, who obviously is a huge uh, Hemisync creator. And uh, you showed your book with me, which I was very moved by. And, uh, you know, really struck by kind of your journey, which started out pretty conventional, and then, you know, takes a turn. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of discuss it all in your book, but maybe if you can just kind of walk everyone through that um, in this conversation to kick things off, uh, that would be a great way to start. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've been um, aware of Hemisync for a long time. I read Bob Monroe's books many years back and uh, found it very fascinating how he's systematically documented things. And uh, since then, you know, I've come across, you know, I know Tom Campbell mentions uh, his work with Bob Monroe and most recently, Suzanne, I was on Suzanne's show uh, last year around almost around this time. Maybe it was a couple of months before that, before March. But anyway, it, it, I was, I love what she offers. And of course, I heard about her uh, beautiful recordings she's done with Hemisync. So anyway, that led to our, I think, interaction. Uh, in terms of my own journey, um, I grew up in India and uh, nothing particularly unusual, a middle-class family, uh, big city, um, as I look back now, there's a couple of things that strike me. Uh, one is lucid dreams. I used to have spectacular lucid dreams uh, when I was just, you know, even before I was going to school, like three or four years old. Uh, and we're talking hours and hours of continuous lucid dreams. Hmm. And interestingly, it wasn't like me playing or something like that. It was just these patterns of light. It's as if there's these spectacular hyperdimensional fields of light that I was going through. 
And it just kept going on and on, these colors, patterns, shapes, and I would just hang out with it. And it wasn't a passive thing. I, I found that I could interact with them. So hmm. I could subtly change them. And when people ask me what it was like, I think if you've seen the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, a popular science fiction movie, there, towards the end of the movie, in the climax, actually, uh, the main character, he's going through more, you know, hyper-dimensional space. And what they show there is very similar to what uh -huh. I'm seeing. So it was pretty cool now that I think back. And it was so, it, even now to me, I can think back exactly how it felt. So that was interesting. Um, so I'm... I'm curious though, like, was it clear to you that other people and that other kids were not having these types of experiences? Because I had kind of a similar um, journey growing up where I would have these strange experiences and I assumed everyone else was having them. And right. you know, I might like share one on the playground and it very quickly became clear to me that uh, yeah. this was not normal. Um, yes. So how was that? Yeah, I, as far as I recall, I don't think I mentioned this to anybody. Uh. It, I don't know why. Uh, I do know I was a pretty sensitive type of kid. And it felt to me like people were on a completely different wavelength. Yeah. They were talking in stuff that was just like, that's not even interesting. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. Uh, but so I wouldn't uh, talk about this. As far as I recall, I don't mention it. I didn't mention anyone yeah. until like just recent years, in fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's just how it was. Um, teenage years uh, is the next point probably worth talking about. Uh, I was experiencing the sense of, uh, you could say a sense of despondency uh, where it felt like what I was being... Um, what I was seeing in society, including my family, was, you know, you just go to school, do well, get good grades, get a good job. You know, this is the way to a fulfilling life. And that totally did not make sense to me as, uh, as this is the full story. It felt yeah. to me like, even if I do all those and get all the A pluses, yeah. Who cares? It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. anything. It doesn't mean anything. And that was kind of sad that it was like, Hmm, is this it? Like, that's it. So, uh, luckily for me, um, uh, I used to go to my grandparents' place every summer. And in their bookshelf, I came across this book, A Search in Secret India by Paul Brunton. And some of you might have heard of it. Uh, Paul Brunton is a British writer who, about 100 years back, he went to India uh, and went all over the country looking for uh, and talking to holy men, um, mystics, strange people that you normally not don't see in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, he was intrigued by this. And so he documents all these people that he met. He would ask them questions. And this was, to me, super fascinating. I was like devoured that book hmm. uh, because for me... This is pointing at the kind of stuff I was really interested in. It really completed the picture for me that A, there was something much, much, much bigger than what we ordinarily run into. And also that uh, this was something we could um, access in some way. 
Mm -hmm. and, and there were people who were doing that. So that opened the door. And I then started reading lots of books about uh, yoga, uh, philosophy, books by people like Swami Vivekananda, Swami Shivananda, and also the classic uh, autobiography for yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Yogananda, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge source of inspiration because it, it, it just talked about the whole thing. Yeah, that's a seminal that work. I mean, that yeah. book, I think more than any other is what really kind of brought esotericism to the West. Yes. And it all took place here in LA, most of it, which is very interesting. All right, to me. right, um, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he not only shared so much, but he also, it included that inspirational component, which really said, hey, you too can have this. Mm -hmm. So that to me was a big takeaway from that. So anyway, that led led to me uh, starting to meditate, uh, starting to discipline my body and mind and exploring all these practices. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that I was like looking everywhere. So I also studied many uh, traditions in depth, like Buddhism was very fascinating to me, just how they talk about the mind and the mechanics of the mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. So I, I looked very deeply at Zen, Dzogchen, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism, and of course, doing retreats and all the stuff. Yeah. But you were doing all of this in conjunction with living a very conventional life, right? Like you were any, any electrical engineer, you're a householder with kids, all of that. So like, that's right. Did it feel like it was kind of compartmentalized? Like here was kind of your ordinary every day and like this other stuff was kind of over here on the side um, or right. did it feel integrated? Right. So that's a great question. I would say for the most part, I was a closet mystic. So mm -hmm. outside, nobody knew. Uh, that I was into these things. Uh, but for me, every spare moment I had, you know, I knew what I was going to do. I was going to yeah. be uh, hanging out with these things. And yep. so uh, it was going on uh, side by side all the time. Outwardly, it looked like a dichotomy, like I wouldn't talk about it. But inwardly to me, it was very much part of me and part of my life. So it didn't feel like some kind of split internally. It was like, hey, this all fits together. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the part where there was some degree of, you could say, uh, tension is, you know, the outward world is always demanding more and more and more. It's, yeah. it's just, that's the nature of it. And so you, you always have to pull yourself back and, you know, you have to be very conscious how much you want to engage with certain things. So, of course, there was that, that kind of tension. But internally, in terms of, it didn't feel like, you know, this is two completely different things. It felt pretty, pretty integrated. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there's levels and levels of, of that. Uh, as I continued with my corporate career and later on became an entrepreneur, uh, I continued on. And the meditation, I would summarize, you know, a couple of decades went by. Uh, if during that time, if you had asked me uh, what's going on, I would basically say not a whole lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was my predominant experience. There was not a whole lot going on. Yeah, like it was just, it just felt like I was in this undefined space. Mm -hmm. And I, I would read about uh, other people's experiences, and they sounded pretty spectacular, uh, unlike mine. So I figured I was just uh, a slow poke. I mean, I was just you know inching along. I had no clue. And I want to mention this because I think there might be people out there 
who might be feeling like nothing's happening? Well, it took a couple of decades, but then I realized there was a lot happening. Mm. There was a lot happening. In fact, that, that expansion, that incremental expansion and vibrational shift, it's an iterative process. You shift, you adjust, you shift, you adjust. And if it goes well, yeah. you don't realize there's something going on. Right. If it doesn't go well, there's a lot of fireworks. Okay. So in fact, the experiences are mostly indicating that there's some friction in the system mm. that is kicking up dust. Mm -hmm. uh, that dust can look like difficult emotions, or it can also look like sublime experiences. And this is like visions of amazing things. This is all internal friction. Okay? That's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, I did not think about this for a long time uh, until anyway, uh, much later, when suddenly something did start happening that was undeniable. Mm -hmm. So I think of it as uh, light suddenly made its presence felt in a very powerful way. And this is the experience that you recount in the book, which took place out in the desert, correct? That's right. That's that's one of the experiences I mentioned. Again, uh -huh. the book is mostly not about my experiences, but I sprinkled a couple here and there simply to give people a sense of, to give them a feel for light and to give them a feel that this is not just some abstract theoretical stuff, that mm -hmm. this is real. Okay, And I wanted to, that's why I recount the experience. And yes, so that experience I talk about in the desert is representative of many, many experiences, similar ones, where it's like you're sitting there one moment and the next moment there's a significant phase shift and you are in a very, very refined state of consciousness where everything has become reduced to its more fundamental state, uh, where everything is not just what it appears to be, but it's it's more irreducible intrinsic state, which mm -hmm. is really light. Mm -hmm. Everything is light. And when I say light, I want to clarify, because we do have the ordinary light that we see around us, uh, which is part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, incredible itself. But the light I'm talking about is transcendental light. Mm -hmm. uh, it's supernal light. It is not electromagnetic in nature it is much, much more refined than that. It's several, I would say, strata beyond the ordinary uh, physical light. Do you think you can still describe it in terms of wavelength or vibration? I think we fall back to using those terms simply mm -hmm. because what else are we going to say? What so else are we, we going to say? Up, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we end up saying it's super high vibrational frequency. Yes, mm -hmm. I think it's it's a reasonable way to say it. And in a sense, the vibrational concept is reasonably accurate because there is an undulation in the consciousness. Mm -hmm. So we're used to like sound is undulation of particles of air. Um, in, in ordinary light is undulation of electromagnetic waves, but this is undulation of consciousness. Yeah. So it is vibration. And so you could say, yes, there's some frequency wavelength types of concepts. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that struck me about your book, and I actually received quite a few books that people send to me, um, never quite sure why, because I'm not a book publisher. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do get quite a few books and many of them either sound like, okay, you know, I've heard this before, 
or they're not well written. Um, your book struck me because it felt like there was a transmission within the book itself, within the words, within the space between the words. Um, and like the first maybe half of it, it sounded kind of familiar to me, which, you know, you would expect, right? Like if it doesn't sound somewhat um, reflective of other great works that you've read, you know, by various gurus or teachers, like you're probably way off the mark, right? <laughs> like there should be some commonality. Right. Um, and then as I got deeper into it, you know, I just found myself kind of sitting with it. And so like there was like a, an experience that opened up as I was reading the book. Uh -huh. um, and so your path is interesting because the experience that you recount in the desert, where you're kind of being bathed in this light of infinity, where you're basically, your consciousness is basically being entrained by this light. I think most would describe that as a transcendent experience. And people that come to Hemisync are typically in search of transcendent experience, some sort of, you know, shifting consciousness that kind of changes the paradigm so that the things that they took to be true or apparent beforehand all of a sudden get dramatically reassessed. Um, but leading up to your transcendent to your transcendent experience was a long period of not much happening, which I would kind of refer to as a transformative path. You know, so you're sitting on a cushion, meditating, maybe not much is happening, maybe you just get a sore back. Um, and that's tough for a lot of folks. Most people will not stay on that path for 20 years. Um, and that's where I think Hemisync really helps. You can have that transcendent experience um, and you can kind of see what's on the other side. But you, you sort of need both to have what you might call realization, right? So that you can actually embody this in your in your everyday life, so that you can live more freely, more easily, you know, with a sense of liberation. Yes. Um, and I think you kind of view it the same way. Is that right? Transformative yeah, versus transcendent. Yeah, you bring up a lot of great points. So <laughs> let me let me see where I want to start. So yeah. firstly. Um, the book itself, which is titled Just Be, by the way, for somebody who wants to check it out, um, you're exactly right. It's, in fact, I was, I, it was not my desire to write that book. Uh, I don't see myself as this wanting to be an author writing fat books. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I was very much not interested. However, I was getting this push from within by the light. And it was like, you know, write this book. And I was like, no, thank you. Because I think there's so many great books out there. We, I don't think we need yet another book. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so this went on for years mm. until, uh, uh, until what happened was one particular moment, the intensity of light was so much and the light conveyed to me that, look, if you write this book, this is the vibration that's going to be infused into it. And when I saw that, I was in tears because mm. I said, this is a good reason to write the book. I mean, I, I'm going to write as best as I can, but the, the vibration is the key thing here. And that's very significant. So that's how I embarked on the book. Uh, and you're very right. It's, it's throughout the book, while I share many, many concepts, including starting with the human-centric view of transformation, which is, you know, Life is difficult, you know, life sucks. What, what can I do about it? Starting from there to more how infinity views creation. 
how infinity views our evolutionary journey and how can we get there and how can we mm -hmm. get there without all the complexity that comes with traditional paths which are so bogged down with so many constructs rituals traditions sometimes it's hard to distinguish between what is going to take me to the ultimate truth versus these other mm -hmm. sort of baggage so to speak uh, so that was my original reason for writing the book to create what I felt would be just plain old English and not bogged down with uh, uh, any anything more than needed and something that was practical and a vibrational tool. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned entrainment, which is very interesting because in my meditation experience, I found that the best way ultimately was light showing and entraining as I allowed it to because this is our biggest we have to play a very active role the active role is us letting go of our mm -hmm. limiting beliefs constructs conditioning so that we can entrain all aspects of our being at, at first it is the higher aspects of our being but eventually it's all the aspects right down to the physical and this is where the integration comes in because transcendence is awesome but what happens after the meditation oh yeah. boy i had to wake up monday morning and go to work and traffic and everything else mm -hmm. suddenly i'm like dropping down uh, if, mm -hmm. I, if i only am relying on transcendence which is a very uneven path so integration would involve bringing all aspects of our being to that higher state. Mm -hmm. And then living from that place is, is embodiment. So I talk about these three phases, transcendence, integration, and embodiment. And I feel all these are very significant, very important for in the long run. Uh, any given moment, we may focus more on transcendence, but very quickly, we have to address everything else. Um, so with with tasting infinity which is what we've created uh with hemi sync technology i think it's very exciting to me because there's hemi sync which is helping with entraining the brain and shifting it to more receptive states mm -hmm. but what we're doing in this particular recording is furthermore these sound frequencies are acting like a carrier for light frequencies. Yes. So this, these light frequencies are like higher dimensional frequencies, which are piggybacking on top of the sound carrier wave. Mm -hmm. And so what this allows us to do is short circuit the mechanisms within us, which are trying to assess, evaluate, analyze, think, understand, yeah. which all gets in the way eventually. Yes. It lets us go straight inside to the fact, to the part of us which is light. We are actually beings of light. This is not yeah. something foreign to us. So it's like something is actuated, activated within us. And when that connection happens, it suddenly shifts our consciousness dramatically. So tasting infinity is actually uh, I offered I've offered a series of retreats with that name. And what we do during the course of the retreat is go deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. And what I've tried to do here in this recording with Hemisync is package that entire thing into um, a shorter amount of time. So you can go yeah. as far as you want, as deep as you want, and have this real connection with light. Yeah, so this is an action-packed exercise. Like there is really a lot in it. 
Um, and you narrate more during this exercise than we typically feature in a hemisync exercise. Um, but I think it still works. Um, and the reason why it still works is because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the hemisync basically, you know, takes the role of the light that you had in, in your personal experience in terms of the light entering your consciousness. Here it's the hemisync kind of taking that role, the light piggybacks on it. But I think it also piggybacks on your voice, on the words that you're phrasing. Um, and it starts to actually feel like you're hearing these words inside your own head, um, which is interesting. Um, and so you start basically just by taking the listener into a relaxed state, into a, you know, you basically tell them that, you know, you're going to get a massage or pretend like you're getting a massage. Like, what is the importance of that re relaxed state to uh -huh. to begin with yes so i think uh, we tend to have a lot of noise within our systems and the noise can distract us from what is presented at a deeper level so how do we reduce that noise we start by relaxing the body so the physical noise uh, starts dropping and and as you very uh, insightfully mentioned there's actually a significant component in terms of the voice itself. As I'm speaking, there's a transfusion and a transference happening in that as well. And so even if somebody is not cognitively processing what I'm saying, that is perfectly fine. They are still picking up on this unspoken aspect uh, and in, that's in the voice. Mm -hmm. So physical relaxation, again, is, is helping us get clarity at that level of our being. And so we can more readily open up and receive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I mean, I think the other observation I would make um, in terms of why we usually use less um, vocal narration so there's a tendency for the listener to leave him or herself to go out to the words um and that's also why in the in the in the musical pieces that we produce there's never any singing because it takes you out of your experience uh -huh. um but in this particular exercise again it feels like the voice is internalized like you aren't leaving yourself um which is an interesting phenomenon because like that doesn't always happen um, so anyway, just wanted to point that out. Um, yes. okay. So then you kind of lead, uh, the listener through some mind taming. And so this is actually following a pretty typical hemisync progression. Like you typically get relaxed, you do some mind taming anyway, like yes. how does the exercise progress from there? Right. So one thing I want to add to that is, yeah. is very significant is unlike an external, um, entity speaking to you this is what happens here is we fuse our consciousness it's like there's one being mm. it, there isn't a speaker who's different than the listener mm -hmm. it's all one consciousness and because of that once you relax and trust with that trust into that um, and release yourself into that then magical stuff happens it mm -hmm. just amazing things happen. So we go from physical relaxation, mental relaxation to uh, the energetic component. Uh, so our the energy field that is the subtler aspect of our being, which is kind of like the template 
behind our physicality, we bring coherence to the energy field. And that coherence is yet again helping us align and prepare for higher dimensional interactions. Mm -hmm. And from energy, as we ordinarily know it, ordinarily know it as subtle energy, we then go to super high energies, which is really now getting into light. Mm -hmm. So we get into the light fields where again, we are calling forth this higher dimensional aspect of ourselves. So in fact, we invoke what I call the light of infinity. And the light of infinity is the highest frequency of light, the highest vibration within creation. So you can think of it as the very first thing that, that started vibrating when, when creation came to be. Hmm. So calling upon this light is really, again, engaging with it consciously, inviting it, and receiving it. And so that entrainment process can go in a much more powerful way. And all of these things, even though we were talking about it sequentially and logically, there's a non-linear element to it. And that happens somewhere along the recording, you will suddenly find that things have shifted to you're, you're in this very sublime, expansive space. You don't know how you got there. Mm -hmm. And there it is. It's undeniable. Mm -hmm. And if you resist the temptation to start thinking about it, you're going to keep expanding to deeper and subtler dimensions. And so the, the progression uh, of the meditation is once we're in this super expanded state, we are starting to now look at the true nature of our being, which is infinity itself. So we are now looking straight into our own essence and we're embracing our essence. We're saying, mm -hmm. okay, here I am. Finally, you know, shedding all these layers, all these heavy jackets and other layers. Now we're there, right there. Mm -hmm. This is a major breakthrough because we can live our entire lives and not be in this intimate encounter with our own essence. Mm -hmm. So this is fantastic because tasting infinity is, you know, somebody might say, what is infinity? And it's a valid question. Uh, infinity to me is... It is all that is. Infinity is not just creation, but what is there prior to creation. So the pure consciousness from which everything arises is infinity. And then everything that arises is also infused with that consciousness. So infinity end up, ends up being the totality of everything including us, you know, we are yeah. not left out. <laughs> and so, in fact, we are always part of infinity. So this is not something about getting in touch with something outside of you. It's getting in touch with the deepest part of you, mm -hmm. which is your infinite nature. So that's where we take you in this meditation. And then, of course, we hang out there because simply hanging out in that infinity is absolutely transformative in the most amazing possible way. Because everything within you, which is less than that, is now being upgraded. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this kind of phrasing won't quite do it justice, but from a practical standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the experiences you can have here is this kind of inner knowing or this direct pointing, I think is what you call it. Yes. Like a direct experience. Yes. Care to expand on that at all? Yes. So 
I, I take the listener through a process where in a very sublime, expansive state where the mind is not functioning in its usual way, I point out, I point out step by step that here's, here's your essence. And when you hear that, since you're in this pure, pristine state, you immediately get it. It's like, oh, it's, it's so obvious, so simple. It's just, so that's a, a technique to introduce you directly to this, uh, to your essence. Mm -hmm. And the more you can simply be, you know, I talk about just being. So as you are in the state of just being, it's super obvious. Certainly you're like, now I understand what all those amazing sacred texts have been telling all these years. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's actually yeah. very simple and straightforward. And that's simple. when you realize yeah. this is my natural state. This mm -hmm. is not something uh, from outside of me. This is natural to me. This is intrinsic to me. And in fact, you feel, I kind of knew this. I always knew this. You know, that's the feeling you get. I always knew this thing. So, mm -hmm. and, and you did, you know, you did. It is, it is your natural state. Mm -hmm. And um, you make the point that uh, the doorway to infinity or kind of like the physical correlate is a few inches below the crown of your head. So I guess that would roughly correspond to kind of the pineal gland area, maybe the pituitary, hypothalamus. And so that is also something that you see in many classic spiritual texts. Yes. Um, I'm curious if you have any theories or understanding about um, you know, what it is about that area and maybe how those um, organs or um, glands kind of work together to create uh -huh. this doorway. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it, it's it's a fascinating topic in itself because the first thing to notice is the instrumentation to access higher consciousness is built into us, mm -hmm. which is every one of us. So it's very important. We don't need to feel like I have I need something outside of me. It's built right into you, and yeah. so one of the uh, specific places where it's literally a doorway to infinity is what has been called the third eye and often thought of as being here uh, in the center of the forehead. Actually, that's, it's in, an internal thing which is projected onto this part. So it's really inside the center of your head. Mm -hmm. uh, and it turns out physiologically, as you mentioned, there's many important glands right there and very important hormones are being uh, uh, produced there. But really, I look at them as, first of all, they've been talked about as energy centers. And mm -hmm. yes, they are those. But I look at them as centers of light. So alongside our physical anatomy is our energy anatomy, which is a big leap. But then mm -hmm. alongside that is our light anatomy. And the light anatomy comes with its own energy centers. And so these yeah. are higher frequency correlates to what mm -hmm. we might think of as the third eye energy center. The important thing is we've got the channels built in for conducting light. Right. And as we show up there, and I think this is the key, as we show up there, it all activates. Mm-hmm. Right, So we don't need to understand a whole lot about it. We don't need to understand the technical aspect of it. As soon as you show up there, it's waiting for you. 
Yeah, that's that is huge uh, in terms of somebody who's a spiritual practitioner who's thinking maybe I need to do some very complex things, and who knows I need to ingest something, I need yeah. to uh, do some very complex breathing exercises. All that I'd like to say is is has its place, but really, end of the day, you show up there, right? Boom, things change. Things change. So yeah. It sounds like you would agree with this idea that the consciousness itself, the light itself is what is fundamental, although it is true, un undeniable that there are physical correlates to it, um, which is interesting. And like one thing that I just kind of realized recently is if you take a sagittal cut of the human head and kind of uh -huh. turn it sideways, uh -huh. that constellation of um, the pineal, pituitary, hypothalamus, the brainstem, it really resembles the eye of Horus, which is, you know, an ancient Egyptian symbol. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, there uh -huh. is definitely something about that area. Yes. Um, yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I found that even though I'd read a whole bunch of things, esoteric stuff about all these things, mm -hmm. when you actually show up there, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you literally have to set aside every single thing you heard about or read about mm -hmm. and literally show up there because I can guarantee you it's going to be unique for you how it unfolds and how yeah. you see it is going to be unique. So if you keep bringing preconceived ideas and comparing it to that, you're yeah. going to actually slow down the process, unfortunately. Yeah. So you want to use those as inspiration, but let it go. Yeah. And that's an important point. So all of these books, you know, texts, you know, even the ancient holy texts, this conversation yes. itself, yes. they're all kind of pointing you in a direction. Yes. yes. Um, but it's just pointing you. And like once you actually show up there, it's its own thing. And words can't really do it justice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's really important because I think we live uh, in a time where we are pretty smart in certain ways. In certain very, ways. Very sophisticated yeah. uh, in our understanding. Uh, and we've gotten carried away with our own little understanding that somehow if I keep analyzing this further, maybe right. I'll get it. Yeah. And of course, like everybody else, I fell for that trap too. Um, and I want to let everybody know the sooner you can drop that, the better. Because mm -hmm. your direct experience far supersedes any book you've ever read. Uh, and the, the more you can trust that, the better, because it will just allow you to go there so much easier. And even mm -hmm. as you listen to the Tasting Infinity recording, I would say set aside all preconceived notions. Just see what's there. Just mm -hmm. show up clear, open, receptive, and you will you'll see amazing things happening. Suresh, uh, that was a great introduction and uh, context that you provided for this exercise. Um, so I hope people enjoy it and uh, derive a lot of benefit from it. Um, and so if you like this conversation, if you have questions about it, uh, leave us a comment. Um, we'll, we'll try to get back to you. If it was useful, please share it up. Um, Suresh's book, once again, is called Just Be. The exercise from Hemisync is called Tasting Infinity. Uh, thanks for joining us. See you next time.